This morning we're going to look at a, a scripture here today. We're not going to, we're finished up our uh, study in First Peter last week. Uh, as you might go back and look, as you, if you were keeping notes, keeping track, uh, I did not preach on every chapter of First Peter uh, because some time ago I preached, uh, not too long ago actually, I preached a sermon from First Peter chapter 4, which was a chapter I skipped over, and I encourage you, you can find that online, called Stewards of Grace, to fall into the rest of what First Peter was talking about. Uh, but this morning we are going to look at, once again, a story of Peter, not in relation to the writings of Peter, but we are going to look at a story that happens in the life of Peter in Acts chapter 10 and Acts chapter 11. And it is kind of a long story, so I'm not going to read it. I'm just going to kind of summarize to you, to it, to you, and then we will uh, kind of look at some different points here. The Bible talks about here in this story in Acts chapter 10, and before I even get into it, I want you to know that what happens here in Acts chapter 10, this is a significant, a very, very significant turning point in the church. And if Acts chapter 10 didn't happen, uh, it might be whether to question whether the gospel would have came to you and I today. That what happens in Acts chapter 10 is a move of God's Spirit and the gospel going to the Gentiles. And this is just the beginning of what happens to be a series of events that happen that leads up to the gospel going to the Gentiles all over the earth. And what happens here in Acts chapter 10 is a beautiful story and event. And I think something that we can learn something about specifically right now today in the life of our church the story is told here that there is a man named Cornelius, and Cornelius is a man of power. We do know by the people that he has under them that he's able to give commands and authority, and the Bible says that he's a part of the Italian cohort. And so here is this guy named Cornelius who the Bible says that he feared God. He feared God with all of his household. He gave alms generously and he prayed constantly to God. Isn't that incredible that here's a guy that is really not even a part of the faith, so to speak, but here he is giving alms generally, a part of the household of God. He is praying constantly or fearing God. And so this happens to be that one afternoon he was praying and he had a vision. And in this vision he saw an angel that appeared to him. And the angel spoke to him and said, Cornelius, your prayers have come up as a memorial before God. We'll talk about a verse of significance. That is a verse of significance. We'll come back to that one. And so here is Cornelius. He's praying and all of this happening. And oh my goodness, this thing is happening. And then watch what the angel does. The angel goes in there and begins to give specific instructions where to find Peter. You're going to go to Simon. He's staying at Simon the Tanner's house. And I love that the Bible says this about the, the whole encounter there. The Bible says the angel gave him specific directions. His house is by the sea. So if you don't know where to look, go to the house by the sea. That's where Peter's at. And so here's what Cornelius does. Cornelius is a man of power. He doesn't go himself. He sends some people to go for him and to bring Peter back to him. Well, in the meanwhile, while all of this is going on, here's Peter. Just think about it like this. He's going about his normal daily life. 
Everything is just as normal. Uh, well, you know, I, I guess we shouldn't say normal. There wasn't much normal about the apostles' lives. It was a daily change. But for what he knew as normal, it was normal. He was praying. And he decided that he was going to go to his place of prayer up on the roof. And he was praying there. But as he was praying, the Bible says that these men were already on the way to Peter. Isn't that something? And that while he was praying, he had this great vision of what he described as a sheet that was being let down from heaven. And upon it was all of these things that the Jews were not supposed to eat. Things that they're in their law, they were forbidden to eat. But he hears a voice that says to him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter responds, by no means, Lord, I have never eaten anything that is profane or unclean. And what's interesting, the Bible tells us that this happened three times. Three times. It took a lot of convincing for Peter. It happened three times. And then while all of this is happening, he hears a knock at his door. Hello? Cornelius sent us to you, and he wants you to come back and talk to us. Now just think about a disruption in your day. That was a disruption. What do you mean? Here's Peter. He's just come out of this vision. And the Bible says, this is what I love, about the, I love about this story. He says, the Bible says that while Peter was still thinking, while he was still trying to figure out what in the world does this vision mean, while Peter was still thinking, the Spirit said to him, there's three men. They're at your door. They're looking for you. And so the Bible says that Peter gathers some of the other believers and they go to Cornelius. And they go to the place where he's at. And Peter brings them, or Cornelius brings them in. And he tells them that we, we, I've sent for you immediately in, in Acts chapter 10 verse 33. I've sent for you immediately and you've been kind enough to come. So now of us are all here in the presence of God to listen to all that the Lord has commanded you to say. And then Peter began to speak to them. I truly understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. And then Peter goes into this incredible sermon where he preaches Jesus. I mean, if you take the time to read what happens in this, it is nothing but pointing to Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Look to Jesus. Po pointing back to Jesus. It had nothing to do with the apostles. It had nothing to do with the church. It was about Jesus. And the Bible says this incredible thing that while Peter was still preaching... He hadn't even finished wrapping up his sermon. He hadn't got to the conclusion yet. His final point, he did, there was no altar call or anything. But while Peter was finishing up his sermon, the Bible says that he began to watch and the Holy Spirit began to fall on all of the believers. And he saw them. They began to speak in tongues. They began to proclaim the wonders of God in this heavenly language. And here's Peter just like, what is going on before me? Here are all these people. They are Gentiles. They're Italians. They're not Jews. We're not in Jerusalem, and the Holy Spirit is falling upon all of them. Peter was taken back by this. And it was such an incredible experience that word had got spread about what was happening here in, in, in Cornelius' place. And it got back to Jerusalem, which was the epicenter uh, up until this point of all the church's activity. And, the, and people began to complain to Peter. Peter, what are you doing getting, letting the gospel go to these Gentiles? That's wrong. 
No, forbid that. And there was all this opposition. And Peter just got up and he began to explain to them. Listen, guys, I don't know how to explain this, but one day I was having a vision. This whole thing happened and I saw this thing and the Holy Spirit fell upon them. It was beyond my control. And Peter stood up and said to all of those believers there as they were gathered at that council. And he said, who am I to hinder God's work? And the Bible says there that they stopped in silence. Nobody could say anything at that point. Because listen, when there's a move of God, nobody can question it. And God's spirit had moved. And the Bible says, then God has given those people gathered together, those believers, and they said they praise God. They might have been skeptical. But now, in Acts chapter 11, verse 18, there was silence. And then... They praise God. God has given even to the Gentiles the repentance that leads to life. You talk about a story that is just God moving on the earth. God working. I mean, there is, here's Cornelius, here's Peter. There's activity. One's been praying daily. One's been seeking the Lord, hoping that God would intervene. And here's Peter going about his daily life. He's having a vision about the whole thing. An angel shows up. The Holy Spirit falls down. You're talking about a supernatural work of the Lord. This was that. This was a move of God. And this was a move of God that was necessary for the church because this was God's heart all along. This was God's heart in Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit fell upon the believers and they all began to declare the wonders of God in the languages of the people that were gathered there. This was God's heart that the world would hear the gospel, that the world would hear Jesus is the Son of God. He died on a cross for you. This is that gospel. This is for you. And so they praise God that even the Gentiles discovered repentance that leads to life. And you know this story, as I have just been mulling this thing over in my head, it has just struck me lately. It has struck me because I have just watched in this how God just orchestrated this. There's something about the thing that God orchestrates. It's noticeable. There are no, there, there, it gets to a point where it's no longer a coincidence, it's purposeful. It gets to a point where what is happening is just so significant that it grabs your attention like, hold up, wait a minute. You had a vision? You saw an angel? The Holy Spirit fell? No, that's not of man, that's of God. And this morning I want to share with you about when God moves. When God moves. Because here in Acts chapter 10, we see... God moving. We see God coming and disrupting the normal activity of the church. And everything they thought was normal, God interrupted it and disrupted it and led them in a greater path that many might believe in his name. And a few things I want to show you today that are applied to us about when God moves. Because you and I, as we read this story today, can I tell you something? Can I just encourage you? Can I just say to you as a church, can I just say to you as a brother and sister in Christ, is that God still desires to move on the earth? This wasn't the end of a move of God. This was the beginning of a move of God. And what God started, he will bring to completion. And God has a move and a work that he wants to do even in our midst, even so now. Listen, we as a planet and we as a world have gone through a lot. And you can read into it however you want to. But I know one thing, that God is on the move. And when God moves, his church ought to take notice and participate in it. 
And so we see here the beginnings of the story of when God moves. And the first thing you're going to note about this story, and I'm going to sound like a broken record, and gladly so, is that a move of God started with prayer. Notice this. There is nothing, there is nothing abnormal about this. Cornelius praying constantly to God, the Bible said. Peter up on the roof praying like he normally would. The Bible says in Acts chapter 10, verse 2, that he prayed constantly to God. In verse 4, the angel spoke to Cornelius and watch what the angel did. The angel didn't say, your alms have come up before me as a memorial. Your good deeds have come up to me as a memorial. He didn't say all the things, the wonderful things that you've done for the earth have come up before me. He didn't say all of your possessions have shown me your status of significance that have come up before me. He said your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. What happened here in this chapter here shows us when God's people pray, it is honorable before the Lord. And it didn't just say the prayer was heard. The prayer God listened to, it came up as a memorial before God. Listen, when God's people pray, you know what happens in heaven? God marks it in time. It's a memorial. It's a moment that God's people have called to him. And God knows because of his word, he has a response to answer that request. And so when you and I pray, what we are doing is establishing memorials before God. It is not words that are just spoken in vain. It is words that are established in heaven. And God knows my child has called to me. So therefore, I have to respond. Therefore, I have to work on their behalf. And it came up as a memorial before for all the people there that God's people pray and so therefore I'm going to move on the earth and isn't it an encouragement to us today that when God moves it starts with prayer when God moves it starts with God's people becoming aware of the move of God and joining in listen it's never about prayer Prayer is just the means by which you and I go before the Father and become in relationship with God and our spiritual ears become attuned to what God's doing but listen, how can God move if his people are not aware of his movement through prayer? How can God move on the earth if you and I are not giving ourselves to listen and say, Lord, how are you moving and how can I join in? How can God interrupt our lives if you and I are not listening to the voice of the Lord and joining alongside of it? Prayer is the means by which we become aware of the work of God, the move of God, and join in with it. Both of these men were praying. It is no accident that this move started because of prayer. It came out of prayer. A move of God came out of prayer. Listen, you will struggle to find as you read the New Testament to find any place in this New Testament. Go through Matthew to Revelation. Anytime that God's spirit moved on the earth, watch what the church was doing. They were praying. Anytime that God was going to come and begin to move in the life of the church, the gospel was going to go to the Gentiles, the Jews were going to hear the gospel, and many, 3,000 would be added to the church that day, the people were praying. Where the church was praying, God moved. Where the church was faithfully entrusting themselves, God moved. When the church was faithfully calling to them, Peter got out of prison, an angel came and set him out. When the church was praying at a place of prayer, the gospel came, lives were transformed, people were healed, and a move of God happened on earth. Prayer is the engine 
that drives and propels the church forward. Listen, this is why, this is why, I just be real with you for a minute here. This is why we emphasize prayer meeting here. Because if there is going to be a move of God that happens in this church, it's going to start in that choir room on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. It's going to start when God's people, you and I, say, Lord, more than anything, I love a good song. I love a good sermon. But if God's going to move, it's going to be when you and I pray. It's going to be when God's people get before him and say, Lord, we are sorry for our sinful ways and we need you now more than ever before. Come move on the earth. Listen, what is happening in Ukraine and the church that is in the subways proudly lifting their hearts to the Lord, praying and worshiping. Listen, that isn't happening just by accident. It happened because a church prayed and now they're the, that's the result of a praying church. Because a church that prays realizes it doesn't matter if we're gathered in a building or if we're gathered in a subway, in a bomb shelter. We're going to pray because that's the means to access the work and wonder of God on the earth. We pray because it draws us near to the Father and God moves in response to prayer. The second thing you're going to see is that when God moves, in verse 14, Acts chapter 10, verse 14, that Peter said, as he was looking at all of these things on that sheet that he was not supposed to eat, and he knew that. Watch what Peter said to the Lord. By no means, Lord, I am not going to eat of that. For I have never... I have never, Peter says, strong words, I have never eaten anything that is profane or unclean. Listen, advancement of the gospel sometimes requires Christians to step out of their comfort zone. And can I assure you that when God moves, it will move us out of our comfort zone. It will move us in a place that we are not comfortable in because it's unfamiliar territory. It's unfamiliar land. It's a place that we have not been before. And when God moves, God compels us to move beyond our comfort zone because firstly, the work is not about us. And if we are living in a land of comfort, that's a land of me. That's a land of it's suitable for me. I feel okay here. But when God takes us out of our comfort zone, watch, watch what happens. Self begins to die. Dependency on Jesus goes up. Trust in the Lord, raise us high, because what God wants to do in the earth is not about us. Where God wants to work in the earth has nothing to do with this All Nations Church. It has nothing to do with Charlie's Crooks. It's about Jesus Christ. It's about the Lord of glory, all the earth looking to him. And you and I are just instruments that are being propelled toward him in that cause. Comfort zones are largely limited by our fleshly preferences. Habits, culture, and traditions. This was Peter's problem. His comfort zone was limited by his tradition. He knew that he was not supposed to do that because that's what his culture had taught him and his tradition had taught him. Comfort zones can become safe dwelling places for individuals who want to complacently live life. But listen, God has never moved on our earth in a comfort zone. It was always in an uncomfortable place. And out of an uncomfortable place became this raw dependency on God's power to move on the earth. And you know what happened? When God's people trust him, he answers. When God's people have faith, he moves mountains. Because without faith, what? It's impossible to please God. The comfort zone is a place of lack of faith. It's a, pla a place of everything's okay for me here. I don't need anything more. I can live on my own means. 
But getting out beyond that comfort zone is a place of faith. And God works in response to faith. This is why Jesus gave them an impossible statement when he was talking about faith. And when you pray, that if you shall say to this mountain, be cast into the sea, it shall be done unto you. Because that is the type of powerful work God wants to do on the earth when God's people have faith. Peter did not allow his cultural assumptions and traditions to supersede his devotion to God. And if God is going to move on the earth, it is going to be when we have a commitment to kingdom over culture. Listen, in all of eternity, all the things here on earth that mark our culture, all the things that are wonderful and great that we love, listen, the thing that is going to be the light of heaven is going to be King Jesus. All of our attention is going to be to him. And God hasn't called us to pledge our attention to a government, to a culture, to some set of beliefs beyond himself. Kingdom above culture is how God has called us to live. And this is what Peter had to wrestle with. Is tradition and culture has taught me this, but God is teaching me this. So therefore, I have to repent and move on because the kingdom matters first. This is why Peter stood up before that church and all those people who were criticizing him. And he said to them in Acts chapter 11, verse 17, If then God gave them the same gift that he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I? That I could hinder God. And this is the problem today. Sometimes when God wants to move in the earth is that we have allowed culture and tradition to hinder a move of God. When God hasn't called us to pledge our attention to culture or tradition, God has called us to give ourselves to the King, to the Lord, to kingdom forever. Because that is the kingdom that will last beyond this earth. His word and his kingdom shall last forever. Who am I to hinder God wants to move, and it's going to be beyond our comfort zone. Are we ready for that? Are we ready to lay aside all the things that are comfortable? The third thing you see here is that Peter stood up, and as he preached that sermon in Acts chapter 10, verse 33, he said, I truly understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. When God moves... Lives are changed. God does not move without a purpose. And God does not move just because. When God moves, lives are changed. And Peter recognized that. That what was happening here was bigger than himself, was bigger than anything the church had at that moment. And God was moving and people were hearing the gospel and it was a powerful moment. Listen, when God moves... It's not about denominational lines. It's not about our preferences of music. It's about Jesus because he is the one that changes lives. Moves of God are always missional. They are always about bringing people to the Lord that their lives will be transformed. God doesn't move just so people can have a feel-good time. No, that's wrong thinking. We have to get rid of that thinking. When God moves, he moves so lives are transformed forevermore. Some years ago, I heard the story of a missionary who was going around and he was trying, his ministry had been, after going, living in Somalia under great persecution and trying to preach the gospel, he was struggling with it. And because of all the struggles he faced, he, his son died while he was there. He, he had been sent back to the U.S. to just grieve, really, and, and, and find time to heal. 
But in that season, God began to speak to him about the persecuted church and encouraging the persecuted church. And so he began to set up these appointments and hear the stories of believers who were going through persecution. And one day he told a story about he got on a plane to go to Saudi Arabia, which if you know anything about Saudi Arabia, it's not a place really where the gospel is very welcome. It's not the worst country in the world with persecution, but there is persecution. And as he was getting off the plane, he saw two men in their robes coming towards him. White robes, two men. They picked him up by the arms and they escorted him to a car, threw him in the back seat and began to drive off speedily. Didn't say a word about what was happening. They drove and drove around for a while and eventually they took him into a room. They began to talk to him and they said, we had a dream about you, that you were going to tell us about the Lord Jesus and who he is. So please tell us. And so he began to tell them, and guess what? Their lives were changed forever. Because when God moves, it's missional. It's so people will come to the Lord. The fourth thing you're going to see here is that while Peter was still speaking, the Bible said, as the musicians come, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who heard the word. The circumcised believers who had come to Peter were astounded that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even to the Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and extolling God. When God moves, God's Spirit is poured out. When God moves, His Holy Spirit leads the way. We are not our own captain of this ship. We are being led by the Holy Spirit. And when God moves, it happens by the power of the Holy Spirit. Moves of God on the earth. You can just go back and look in the last hundred years of the church in the world. Moves of God in the earth are marked by people who have been empowered by the Spirit to preach the gospel and lives were transformed because the Holy Spirit was poured out. When the Holy Spirit was poured out, the activity of the church was then pushed along by the Spirit. Up until that point when God's Spirit was being poured out, the Spirit was then beginning to take over and push the Spirit along. Helped Peter preach the gospel. Helped Peter exclaim to them, the Gentiles. And then what happens in Acts chapter 11 is the gospel then begins to go to Antioch. And the Spirit comes upon the believers in Antioch. And God's Spirit just begins to cover the earth. Why? Because the Holy Spirit had been poured out. If we are going to do God's work on God's earth, it is going to happen by God's Spirit. Apart from God's Spirit, you and I, we cannot accomplish the work that God wants to do on the earth. It is through the power of the Holy Spirit. Think of it this way. You and I are recipients today of people who were full of the Holy Spirit. Preach the gospel to the Gentiles because they were led by the Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. And when God moves... That's the only way it happens, is when God's Spirit is poured out. And lastly, I want to leave you with this. When God moves, Peter said in Acts chapter 11, verse 16, watch what Peter does here. I, I love Peter sometimes, you know, he's, he's so human. Peter remembered when he was with the Lord. He remembered when he was serving God. He remembered when he was following Jesus around for those three years. And he went back and he said, after I've seen what I've seen today, after I've seen what God did at Cornelius' house, 
I remember the word of the Lord that God spoke to me. Jesus spoke right before us. How he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. When God moves, promises are fulfilled. Words of God come to pass. When God moves, God does what he has said he will do. And this was no less true for Peter that he could go on to say that then God has even given to the Gentiles. Listen, this morning in our world, in our church, state around the world, it's evident of things that are happening and we need a move of God. We need a move of God across the earth, not one that's manufactured, not one that comes out of marketing strategies and planning committees, one that comes out of prayer, fueled by the Holy Spirit, where lives are transformed. That type of thing, you can't get in any textbook. It just comes straight from the Word of God, from prayer. And this morning, I want to invite you today to join me in praying that God would move. God would move right here in our midst this morning. That God would move in our nation. That God would move in our earth. All the wonderful things that happened when Peter and Cornelius were praying, that was just two people. What could happen today if just a hundred people here would pray? Oh, God could do great things. Will you stand with me?